This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to Hitting the Mark. Today we have the first in a series of at least two back-to-back episodes where I talk with branding professionals, like myself, who turned into entrepreneurs selling what some could call upon first glance a so-what commodity type product. This is exciting for numerous reasons, besides the obvious of a creative talking to one of their kind, but also because these two guests embody the hypothesis of my book, Bigger Than This, How to Turn Any Venture into an Admired Brand. First, today, we start this mini-series of creatives flipping business categories on their head with Michael Astoria, who was the co-founder of New York City-based creative agency Chaywalk before he turned his interest to making the world a better place through the power of pizza. <laughs> Michael Astoria <laughs> sees himself as the human-first entrepreneur. As CEO and co-founder of Ent Pizza, and that is Ampersand Pizza, now 32 locations throughout the East Coast, Michael has championed his employees, whom the brand calls its tribe, as not only the face of the brand, but as the core of the business. And Pizza pays a fair and livable wage, and Michael has been a vocal member of the fight for state and federal minimum wage increases. La Storia believes in building a brand first and a business second, so that the brand is not just a momentary phenomenon, but an essential part of culture. And Pizza is the manifestation of that belief, and I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for being on Hitting the Mark. Fabian, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So, Michael, as I touched on in the intro, I, I released a book last year, which I will send you a copy of, that studied startups that transformed into admired brands despite being based on commodity-type offerings, so like socks, office supplies, packaged seafood, stews, stuff like that. It fascinated me as someone who is in the business of branding like like yourself to study how they did it without any innovation or tech or big design adjustments in tow. So in the end, I boiled these findings into eight traits, story, belief, cause, heritage, delight, transparency, solidarity, and individuality. And after studying your company and pizza for, for a little bit, I actually believe that you must be one of my first guests who truly either embodies or touches upon most of these, all while pushing hard on tech and innovation at the same time. So needless to say, really thrilled that you made it onto the show. Um, but, but let's go back in time a little bit. You're, you're running a successful creative agency, sold it to the cosmetic giant Shiseido in 2017, I believe, and then had the thought of starting a pizza chain? <laughs> tell us tell us more. How did it come about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I definitely got a, a number of laughs. And my friends and family thought it was you know, somewhat comical given they didn't quite appreciate you know, what I was trying to do in terms of really humanizing a company and lifting up the lowest wage workers in this country and hopefully being a case study for a business that can succeed that does good in this world and is a case study for other 
restaurant and retail companies to follow in terms of being able to have some of the best unit or store or shop level economics while also paying a living wage, developing your people from within and really being a champion of democratizing the business at every single level. So uh, kind of taking a little bit step further back, you know, I, I founded my first business at 22. It was also uh, a service business, more in media and ad tech, sold it to a private equity group, stayed on board to run that as CEO for three years. Then I co-founded the ad agency. And having spent a better part of a decade on the service side, uh, learning what my passion was and ultimately where, you know, a small kid from a country town, you know, what he should be doing in this world in terms of contributing for the greater good decided that I wanted to launch a brand that was very values driven. And at the time, it was more about the values of the man that I hoped that I would become versus the man that I was. And that's why the company is named Ann Pizza. It's a generally speaking, a fairly goofy name for a brand, but we wanted to lead with a symbol that was all about promoting unity, right? Celebrating oneness and doing the right thing by our people. Hence the ampersand and leading with this big meaty, uh, emotional um, symbol that we hoped that we could turn into something that was very powerful and impactful. Picked pizza because when I was studying all the different businesses where we could apply this notion of unity and doing the right thing and helping people, the food service industry in America alone employs 10% of America's workforce. When you think about the impact that we could make as a company in an industry that employs 10% of the workforce in America, if we could flip on its head, this very notion of what it means to be an employer and find some success in doing so. So that's what led me to Ann Pizza. Uh, started it in 2000. Well, really concepted it in 2010, 2011, opened the first pizza shop in 2012. And we're going to open up our 36th pizza shop uh, in New York City on Wall Street, our third in New York City in about two weeks here. That is Amazing. And, and you just answered just about four of my questions in, in, in the last couple of minutes. This is, this is great. I really, <laughs> Sorry I really that. love that. And, and, that's, and that's why, and obviously I would have asked about the name, right? Because at first glance, um, you know, there are two things that don't make much sense. First, the name, and then the reason of why you picked pizza. And after your intro, everything makes a lot of sense. The end pizza, the pizza is basically a side effect. And it is just a vehicle for you to actually change something much bigger um and and that's that's nicely reflected in the name it's um it's very neat looking looking back though um you know through obviously being in the restaurant business is i guess considered hell um usually right for the entrepreneur doing it as well as the as the <laughs> employees um it's really really rough right it's really tough to get into the business it's tough to stay on top um Looking back, what was that, that one big breakthrough moment where you felt like, okay, now it's not just a startup pizza joint, but it's actually a brand and it's turning into a full-fledged, beloved and established chain? Was, was there one moment where you felt like, this is it, we just made it? Yeah, I, you know, there was obviously the success of the first location, the fact that there was a line that was wrapping around the block, the decisions that we made that you know, sort of enabled that. But the moment I look back on was when we did have a single pizza shop and you know one of our employees whom we call tribe members mainly we called them tribe members because it's this notion that's a group of people connected to each other connected to uh, leadership but ultimately connected to you know higher purpose 
Um, and our purpose, obviously, is, is, you know, our symbol, our ampersand, all about promoting unity. But uh, when, when one of our tribe members came to me and he asked me if he could get, you know, the symbol, the ampersand tattooed on him. And I was a little taken aback because it wasn't something I, I have, you know, tattoos myself and it's, you know, we're very much in a tattoo forward culture. Uh, but it, it was taken aback because I never thought that a human being would want this brand symbol tattooed on them. And so I asked the question, like, why? And the answer was, this is the first company where I truly feel comfortable in my own skin. I feel appreciated. I feel supported. I feel respected. I feel like I'm part of a family. I'm part of a group of people that is like-minded, that has very similar values. And I've never gotten that from a place of work. That's why I want to get this symbol tattooed. So I put my arm around his back and I said, let's go. I'm paying for it. And it became one of those things that has helped define the culture, not because we want people to have you know, this and uh, tattooed on them so they can walk around helping market or promote the company. Because quite frankly, the symbol is a very generic symbol. Ampersand has been around for a long time. At one point, it was the I think, 27th letter of the alphabet. Um, so it's it's been there. The interesting thing here was, no, it was really about a definition of why the company is special, why our values matter. And even if if you don't work at Ann Pizza a year after getting the tattoo, it's what it meant, what we are trying to do, and the impact that we're trying to make in this world. So we've had literally hundreds and hundreds of, of tribe members get tattooed. At any given point, about 20% of the workforce has this <laughs> brand logo tattooed on them. And I look at that as something that's very humbling and incredibly um, fulfilling because it is the definition of getting people together and getting people that have similar values that believe in the same things and really mobilizing them to do some good like that. That's what that means. People care about the mission. They care about our values and they're willing to get uh, it tattooed to show, show. So that would say that's the defining point for me of when I knew that we were onto something special when the people were vocal, right? When the masses in the organization started to care more about the values and could better define the symbol than even I could myself that created it. Because when it comes from within, you know it's going to work outside, right? Like that whole idea that if the company culture works and is healthy, then consumers, customers, the tribe, outside, whoever that is, they will feel it and it will be effective. But that, that begs the question, did, did branding affect your company culture or was it vice versa? It's kind of like a chicken or egg situation with end pizza. Yeah. Well, I think the branding helped create the visual and the inspiration behind what the culture eventually became. And the tricky thing with the culture is that it's constantly changing in businesses like and pizza that are people driven. Every time that you, you know, lose an employee or you gain one, your company, culture is bound to shift, right? It's simply the yeah. sum of the ingredients and the ingredients are the people. And so for us, what's nice is that every time we bring someone to the organization, the brand, what it stands for, its values, what it means, how people connect to it helps really define the cultures in the starting place where people can be grounded. And then what they do ultimately is take that brand and they make it their own. Right. They have their mm -hmm. own expression of what it means to them, and they then spread that gospel. And I'm okay with the ampersand meaning different things to different people. I have my definition, and if you were to ask you know, one of the 750 employees or tribe members that work at Ampizza, they all may have a slight variation, 
And that's, that's okay because that to me is perfectly structured where there's enough there where people get it, but then also enough flexibility to truly make it their own. Cause I think this notion of celebrating individuality, people's own definitions, why it matters to them is as important as why you got started and what the brand means to you as someone that created it. And it is a symbol that just evokes hope. It evokes the beginning of another chapter. And I'm sure that that's what a lot of your employees feel like, especially if they come in on the very, at the very entry level and they start feeling like they're part of a, part of a family and it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of job that they, that they had before maybe. Um, in, in an interview, you said that your employees are feeling appreciated, engaged, supported and valued. But it's an industry that is known for labor-intensive, minimum wage type of work. Um, and you're talking a lot about core values. And obviously, you know, like I, I'm in the business of, of creating core values with my clients and then pushing them to actually successfully instill them into their employees, which is so much harder than actually coming up and deriving these core values, right? How do you accomplish that sentiment across the board of your employees that they take the values, that they understand the values, but that they also have that flexibility to, to take it to wherever they want to, but they feel this really big bond amongst each other and, and with the company's brand? How, how do you think, it's not a simple answer, right? But what are some of the ways that you feel like you made this intrinsic and organic that it actually worked? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very tricky and somewhat loaded question because it's constantly a work in progress and there's a lot of things that we do. You know, I think wage is a very good starting place to, you know, show your people that you care, but it's much more than wage. I think the notion of paying a living wage or paying well above the minimum wage is one thing. And then there's willing to sort of stake your own personal reputation, the company's reputation to fighting against the National Restaurant Association, to fighting against um, a lot of the, the political headwinds in terms of trying to make your internal policy uh, actual, you know, government and federal policy, which, which has been a very difficult thing. So I think this notion that our people are seeing us put our money where our mouth is, or at least live our own values outside of Van Pizza and pushing for policy that impacts their friends, their family, regardless of whether or not they work here, has been one of the biggest ways, I think, where people have said, gosh, I believe in this and I believe in it even more because I trust the people that are making the decisions that are leading because they're doing the very things that this symbol is supposed to do and the things that this brand actually stands for. So, our willingness to take a stand, our willingness to do the right thing, our willingness to put the strength and use the platform of the company to impact social issues. I mean, we're living in a, in a country and a nation that's becoming increasingly more divided since 2019. And that's not what we should be seeing. We should be seeing significantly more uh, people uniting because, you know, when I travel the world, I see the youth of this world being more connected versus disconnected, right, in terms of the things that they believe in, how they choose to live their life and the values that they subscribe for. So I'm very hopeful about where things are going. But I also think it's extremely important for brands to act as people, brands to take a stand and be willing to say, these are the issues that are important to our people. And so we're going to put the weight of the company behind those issues, regardless of what they are. And I think that's, again, that's what helps build the trust that gets people listening and communicating with the company. And that's a lot of things I think companies miss is that if they 
if you don't fundamentally trust the leadership or trust the decision-making process, um, it's going to be very hard to develop people and to have the type of culture that you're looking for. And you have to do a lot to trust people. In addition to that, you also have to learn how to communicate. All of our communication inside of our company happens vis-a-vis text message. Right, so we only communicate, we predominantly communicate with our tribe members via text messaging. Our weekly newsletter is not a newsletter, it's a podcast to get texted out. We're constantly doing trivia to earn cash prizes that get paid the minute that the trivia questions get answered. Right, We're doing all kinds of survey work, and it literally is a two-way communication that allows for any idea, no matter how small or big it is, to be recognized, to be heard, and then we close the feedback loop by letting everyone know, hey, here are all of the text themes that we received over the last 30 days. Here's policy that we changed as a result of your ideas. And here are the things that we didn't change. And here are the reasons why. So bringing people closer into the decision-making process, really helping democratize it and setting up communication that's modern and is the way that people would prefer to be communicated with because that's how they're communicating with their friends and family. And I think... The, the willingness to be bold and use technology to help facilitate that is another way uh, to create connection, to get people to speak out, make it frictionless, make it really easy, make it take a matter of seconds versus and, and do it on a platform that people fundamentally understand. That's, you know, th- those are all those are all amazing ways that you you just intrinsically basically walk the walk with the values right you don't just put you know three or five values on the wall and say this is it and you can see it on our website and it's in our employee handbook but you actually constantly go after those values and figure out how can we how can we actually behave that way and how does that come from the top um and i think that's it was an amazing answer to to a question that actually led into a lot of different into a lot lot of different other um scenarios one of them is the whole walking the line of politics versus you know whatever product you sell for you it's pizza right especially since one of your locations is in the hub of the house of representatives in dc correct (laughs) so it is yes And I, and I read that you adorn the walls of End Pizza um, in that location with the following statements, where it all takes shape, where decisions are made, where pioneers walk and walls talk, which is so bold and so great. And, you know, just knowing enough about End Pizza, it is so on brand. But how do you... How do you, I know you and I totally 100% agree on the idea that there's little room for brands to not take a stand in 2019 and that it actually nurtures um, brands' tribes. But where do you cross that line? I know you signed a petition um, you know, for companies to stand up for, uh, to stand up for reproductive rights. Um, you do a lot politically. How, where do you cross the line? How far do you go? When do you feel like this is something that the company should support and actually speak out about? Yeah, to, to me, it's less about, you know, partisanship, because that is also the opposite of, you know, bringing people together and, and unity. It's really more about the social issues that impact the employees of the company. And that is really sort of where we draw our line, which is the things that are impacting our people, or that are negatively impacting our people. Those are the types of things that we really want to rally behind, because we treat them like family. And if I can do something to help out a family member and I have a a broader or greater platform to do so, I think the right thing to do is to use that platform. And so that's really how we choose to um, be political or not, which is just simply focusing on 
what are the social issues that our people truly care about, the ones that are impacting them and impacting the communities that they live in and the communities that, quite frankly, we serve even with our customers, our guests, and, and how do we let everyone know, you know what True North is in our eyes and, and how we can ultimately be helpful. Some are more controversial than others, but uh, you know we're predominantly in some of the larger cities in this country um, and and we're dealing with a lot of those issues as well. And so I think it's it's just the responsible thing and the right thing to do. And again, I'm not trying to say, you know, lean left or lean right. I'm just trying to say, hey, guys, these are the real things that are happening and the real things that are affecting the employees of this organization. I want to be heard and I want to let you know exactly what's going on and how we feel and get political just because I think, again, it's this, it's showing that support for the people that come here. And again, willing to stake my own reputation because there's always a backlash. Anytime you do take a stand, you are going to become a target and people are going to attack you. And so it has to come from the right place in a place where you feel like when your head hits that pillow every single night that you did the right thing. And I will always live and die or fall on the proverbial sword by doing the right thing, regardless of the outcome. And you do this because your brand is about your people. And that's why it is a one-to-one -one alignment with, um, with, with whatever, whatever political situations you, um, you, know, you, you encounter and you start supporting. Um, again, it's not left or right. It's about, it's about the people. That, because that's, that's right. And it's not, it, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's not the Michael Lestoria brand. It's, right. you know, it's the and pizza brand, right? I, there, there's a lot of things that I believe in that I don't speak out publicly about as the sort of representative of the Ann Pizza brand because I don't feel like it's appropriate, Absolutely. right? And I probably do lean, you know, a little further left than some people, but that's not my place to use the company's platform to have those conversations. The company's platform is for the company, it's for its people. I'll be the spokesperson for that. And basically I'm just the, you know, I'm the sort of appointed leader, right, of the and pizza democracy where they're doing the speaking on behalf of everyone and we all are aligned on what the messaging is and, and, and why we're doing what we're doing. Absolutely. Let's let's move over to the tech and innovation part of your brand for a minute. Because I talked about commodity yeah. products before and you're totally moving into a very different direction because you are actually leading with tech and, and innovation. You decide on new locations using Uber Eats um, heat mapping technology and you launch mini restaurants called Cubes, which are 300 square feet mini locations within existing structures that can easily be adjusted, assembled and disassembled. You will soon only be able to order end pizza pizzas via text message, which I think comes from yeah. within, right? Because that's how you guys mm -hmm. already, you guys and gals already communicate. There's going to be no app, no phone, not even email. So you have employees as well as AI bots respond to text orders with gifts of millennial stars like Lady Gaga or Rihanna to connect <laughs> with your customers. And, and you're big and rightfully so um, into automating boring and also dangerous tasks like slicing pie and sliding them into 800 degree ovens for which you now use robots. And one aspect of your tech-infused innovative way of conducting business that I'm particularly interested in is that you have a fleet of mobile units that are really, I guess, considered smart trucks that cook up pizzas as they approach a destination. Tell me a little bit about the logistics and process of these mobile units. I assume they are GPS-based, but 
who in the truck, unless it's a robot or a dobot, as you call them, <laughs> is making the pies? Walk me through the chain of events when it comes to Aunt Pizza's mobile units. And correct me if anything I just said was, was wrong, because I, I got it from different sources. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, listen, the, the technology side is, is just about keeping an eye towards the future and you know, looking at a lot of the um, successes, right? That our predecessors and those that came before us have had, but also some of the you know mistakes that, that were very, very costly. Which is this idea of the mass replication of a thing, right? A lot of restaurant brands, even retail, missed right the shift towards all things digital. And I think in retail, you know, you saw it just through the sheer presence of the likes of an Amazon in restaurants, you're seeing a lot of disruption to the likes of an Uber Eats, right, or a DoorDash, these very large companies that are getting massive funding that are able to take, you know, your food out of your restaurant and deliver it to right, a customer without you actually having any, any real interaction with that customer whatsoever, or even owning that customer relationship. So what you're seeing is is the the, the lack or the the, um, uh, the amount of change in the real estate that you actually need to properly service your customers. And so if you were a 2,500 square foot restaurant, you may only need 1,500 square feet this day and age because 20, 30, 40% of, of all of your sales are now coming through off-premise sales, not on-premise. And so being really forward-looking at saying, okay, well, I need to have a flexible format model where I can technically serve my product in a variety of different formats that range in terms of the actual cost themselves to build. So I can make sure I can still get my product to the people cost-effectively and responsibly. And so I'm not beholden to a certain piece of real estate that I can only take for me to scale. So yeah. for us, we can open up a 300 square foot kiosk or cube like you had mentioned, and we can generate the same revenue in 300 square feet as we can 2,000 square feet, right? Or we can do very similar. The trucks themselves, the real key there is that they're more like a mobile production commissary in the sense that we are doing native delivery, third-party delivery, order ahead for pickup, right? And having the ability for people to walk up to the trucks themselves right, and place an order either on their mobile phone as they're walking up or with you know, someone that's standing outside the truck that will help facilitate that. So the idea is they're just, it's a, it's a shop on wheels, right? So just think they're all just varying, you know, varying different shop types and shop formats that mm -hmm. have a different cost to build that allow me to scale faster, more cost effectively and to get my product to the people in a way that you just haven't seen before. And that is our answer to increasing occupancy vis-a-vis -vis rent, right? More yeah. business happening off premise, right? Kind of this traditional real estate that no longer works for a lot of restaurant retail brands. How are we still going to grow? How are we going to build out new markets? How are we going to do it quicker, faster, cheaper? So that we can accelerate as a brand in a climate environment that's becoming more and more and more challenged and difficult. So that's just our, our world of leveraging technology, leveraging flexible format, thinking through the architecture of the business model to make sure that it's going to work in the next five to 10 years. And so many people get caught up in today, like what's going to work today? How can I make a quick buck on a trend 
Business is becoming increasingly more complicated. Businesses need to become increasingly more dynamic and you have to do everything well. You can't just do one thing well. And that would be my biggest challenge to anyone in consumer branding or entrepreneurship, which is you have to look at every aspect of your business, not just making the best possible product, but how does that product get in the hands of the people? And what are the different channels in terms of D to C, right? Versus, you know, wholesale retail and how can these large tech companies and even small tech companies potentially come around and disrupt your entire business model? How do you get ahead of that stuff? And that's really what the architecture of all the things that you just suggested was about. It's not really about the robotics. The robotics are a little bit more forward looking in terms of automating simple mundane tasks, but that's the less important thing. The more important thing is how do we open up more pizza shops? How do we service more guests? How do we become a larger and greater employee? And how do we leverage technology as a way to help facilitate all of that? Because to your point, if you're in a commodity business, you better make it really, really, really damn easy to get that commodity. It better be frictionless. It better have an amazing loyalty program and give me a reason why when I'm looking at 40 or 50 other brands that I can order from, then I'm going to order from your product. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that go into triggering that emotional response that this is the one that needs to have. And there's a big gap between Shake Shack and Five Guys, between Soul Cycle and Flywheel. And I can go on and on about the comparisons, but they matter. And that is branding, but it's also spreading that brand across every single touch point, not just the creative. And understanding that there is an immense amount of data lying around that can actually make your business smarter. So I think that's that's also a, a huge a huge aspect of how you're of how you seem to be running the business. Um, just with the Uber Uber Eats idea, right? I mean, the data is out there. You've got the heat maps. You see you see where you might want to um, start a new location. Like you don't just have to buy the the coolest new property, you know, in the center square. I mean, now you can you, yeah. you have other data. Um, but you know, and not not shockingly so. In And you hinted at that you're continuously creating new PR and branding ideas and you change the, the avatars on your social media channels to match whatever activation you've just launched. Um, currently, I read, and this is super cool, you run a promotion with a secret summer menu that gets switched out every couple of weeks and it currently features an Oreo ricotta pizza <laughs> as well as a Cheetos spicy tomato pizza. But Since it's a secret menu, you can only find it on the secret site, um, incognito.endpizza.com, which throws you a 404 error until you view the site in an incognito window of your browser, which is absolutely genius. You, you also run a loyalty program, which you just mentioned, um, where depending on their level of pizza intake, uh, your customers get at, uh, end pizza bomber jackets, they get branded dog tags, or for the super fans of the super fans, which are at what you call the maverick level um, of having spent around 1.5K on pizzas, they can actually get an end pizza tattoo inked onto their body for a lifetime, just like one of your tribe members. Um, With all of these ideas surrounding the brand, what was something you thought would absolutely kill it, but then it bombed completely? Like this, this does not even need to be on the PR and advertising level, but it can also be on an entrepreneurial level when building out the end pizza brand. Was there this one thing, this one moment where you're like, wow, that just really didn't go right, even though I thought it would? Yeah, I think in our, in our business, I mean, because it's pizza, 
there isn't really a massive like we, we haven't had any massive failures as it relates to rolling out products or trying new things that didn't really work. Uh, it's more about trying to figure out what's the best use of, you know, sometimes limited resources, limited capital, and not getting too distracted in terms of trying to do too many things too quickly because organizations typically struggle through ingestion, uh, which is just taking on more than they're, they're actually capable of taking on. And so that, that's the thing that we wrestle with the most um, isn't necessarily like one big thing that really didn't work. There's definitely been a lot of little things in terms of, you know, various ingredients, various different types of pies, uh, you know, th- this notion of uh, the different types of footprints. I mean, we, we also operate and bars. We have uh, three of those up and running right now. We have a really cool, draft cocktail program where we're, we're pre-batching uh, all of the cocktails because of this notion that it's really hard to get a consistently made high quality cocktail from a bartender because of the just inconsistency in terms of the small little minutia that can make a great drink taste not so great. And so how do you kind of disrupt that? Um, and we're doing that with, with, with some really interesting people here in Washington, D.C. So I, not to not give you a very direct answer, but for us, it's, it's not the big failures. It's just the prioritization of how do we stage this the right way? If we have limited capital, how do we spend it in the right way to make sure that the business is investable, to make sure that you know we're always doing the right thing by our people and we're serving a really, 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 really good product uh, at an affordable cost um, that people are excited to consume. And that's not always an easy thing, but we have more resources at our disposal now than ever before. It's just making sure that as someone in consumer branding, you're taking advantage of those resources and you're constantly in trial and error mode. So you can at least be on the forefront of knowing what's out there and what products or what services or what tools you should use to facilitate and assist with your growth. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that is, that is really, really good advice. It comes back to, to the idea of, of sometimes slowing down and, and looking at priorities and talking about, talking about the concept of, of bars and talking about communities. Um, I heard that it is very important to end pizza to involve and reflect each community in which you open up a new shop. How does a chain of, I guess, 36 stores at this point go about keeping the brand consistent? And I'm hinting at robust franchise-worthy style guides here, but sure. yeah, while, yeah, yeah. While, while allowing it, though, to, to adapt to its changing environment and, and to actually become part of, of a community. It's not, it just, it just takes a little bit more time, energy, effort, and, you know, research. I don't think any of this stuff isn't doable. It's just making a commitment to doing it and then baking that into the business model very early on that it's going to cost an extra, you know, $50,000 to do it well versus not doing it. And why is it a priority and importance for us to do it? When we go into a neighborhood or community, we want to inspire, right? It's not just about embracing where that neighborhood has been it's also about providing an environment that looks and feels different that has some inspiration in the walls that's very upbeat and uplifting one of the most important things for us is to get the culture and get the vibe of that neighborhood or that community right so we're adding value to it but when people walk in the the doors of an ant pizza shop i do want them to feel like they're entering into a safe place a place that regardless of where they've been you know, or what's happened that day, 
uh, that week, that month that they feel like they can, you know, put their shoulders down, smile, laugh, dance, have fun. Because at the end of the day, pizza is one of those things. If you've chosen to eat a pizza, you've chosen not to eat a salad. And so you should really enjoy the experience of, you know, making your own pizza, crafting your own pizza, eating your pizza, whatever that may be. Like, that's a very important thing to the brand. It's something that we work really hard on doing, which is being culturally connected and relevant, making sure the music is right, making sure the design aesthetic is right, that we're building things that people haven't necessarily seen before, but also don't feel that uh, uh, unfamiliar, right? It's like, oh, I didn't know I liked this. I didn't know I liked high black and white contrast in a pizza shop where you're used to seeing a lot of red and white checker cloth, right? Is, those are the kind of things where you just flip it on its head, inspire people and see how they react to it. Because even if it's not for them, that maybe doesn't reflect their personal style. I think they'll appreciate it. It kind of takes me back to the best conversations I've had in my lifetime have been with people that are the most different, the most unique, but also the ones that are willing to share that difference and share that uniqueness with me and have a really strong point of view. That's when I'm listening the most. That's when I'm learning. That's when I'm widening my horizons. And I look at that as branding too, which is the world doesn't need your version of someone else's idea, right? The world needs your idea. It needs your version of a pizza shop, not your version of someone else's idea of a pizza shop, right? This idea of copycat and imitation, like it's got to stop. It's not helping anyone. And a lot of capital is being wasted towards people that don't follow right um and and really well don't follow their heart or don't follow what they think is the right thing to do but instead try to follow someone else's i'm just seeing more and more businesses like that die on the vine and it's important i think for all of us to you know lead with a unique point of view be willing to express ourselves be willing to create products right and service-based businesses that have that in them that you can feel, right, the creators in the building, in the walls of the things that they're designing, because I think that has a long-lasting impact. How do we take, to your point, a commodity and how do we personalize it? How do we give it a real personality? And by the way, that personality needs to extend digitally as well. One of the most mm -hmm. frustrated things for me is when you see a brand have such a big digital personality and then it doesn't exist anywhere else. Oh, they have an amazing Twitter handle, but you go to their Instagram account, nothing like their Twitter handle. And God forbid you go into their restaurant where you get no experience like that. You can't be super witty on one platform and dry and bland on another because that's not real. That's not authentic. That's you just trying to win a platform for marketing's sake, not an authentic brand that has a digital brand personality that matches the physical. And like we need to be thinking about the connectedness in all touch points. And that is where I think, you know, brands can really do a better job. So true. So true. And I think in the end, it all comes back to, to having soul, right? That, that, that the brand actually needs to have soul. It needs to evoke a feeling and that needs to be across all touch points. And in, especially in the hospitality business, that is super, super difficult to achieve. And that's why, um, you know, uh, kudos to, to what you're doing and, and more importantly, how, you, how you're doing it. And I just read a piece you recently published on uh, LinkedIn uh, where you state the following, the only way to reach your potential is to evolve. The only only way to evolve is to know who you are and what you represent. 
there's true beauty in reaching that moment of clarity because that's when things get better for both you and your company. And, and to me, this is music to my ears. And, and brand clarity is what I derive of my clients. And in the end, I, I believe that every brand's DNA can actually be described in one single word. So Harley Davidson could be seen as freedom, right? Um, Evelyn, which I, I know you're familiar with because you signed mm-hmm. a petition where, <laughs> where he was part of it. Um, <laughs> Evelyn is all about transparency, right? Um, what is what is one word if if you would if you would have one word that could describe end pizza without putting it too much on the spot here? Could you think of one word? Yeah, it's a word I've used a few times today, which is it would be unity. That's really nice. That's um, that's that's very all encompassing, and I think with everything you just said in the last you know like forty or so minutes, um, that that encompasses every everything and and i guess to to finish to finish this up slowly here's the big one um what does branding mean to you i think it i think and i I guess i sort of just said this a while ago i I think it truly is you know personalizing a commodity it's injecting you know a heart and a soul and a point of view into something that otherwise doesn't have it Beautiful. Um, I could not. I could not agree agree more. Um, Michael, where where can our listeners and myself get a slice of the pie? And and is End Pizza in expansion mode, so we can all get our hopes up to see a store in our area soon? Yeah. So we uh, we're opening, like I said, our thirty sixth shop in in a couple of weeks. Here, we're going to double in size in the next two years. Uh, most of our growth will be uh, on the East Coast, some everywhere from you know Boston down through Miami. You can find us on social at at and pizza. Uh, you can find me mainly on Instagram at underscore Lestoria. Um, I'm a little bit more visual than I am vocal. So uh, <laughs> I am on Twitter, uh, but but mainly Instagram is the platform I prefer to use. Um, and first off, I just want to say to you, Fabian, congratulations on the book. Uh, I'm definitely going to be reading it now. I know it's a really, really, really hard thing to do to put so many amazing thoughts that you have uh, into words, words on paper, and publish a book. So, congratulations! Uh, encourage all of the listeners to to read it because you have uh, incredible um, thinking on a lot of a lot of amazing topics, and and just some of the things that you sparked today for me have been have been great. So, thanks for having me. Oh, that was really kind of you. I, I really appreciate it. But this this conversation was um, so inspiring to myself, and and I'm sure to our listeners on on so many levels. And I have to say, people like. People like you are the reason I work with entrepreneurs <laughs> and why I love the world of branding. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time, wisdom, and energy, Michael. Thank you. And thanks to all for listening in. Hit that subscribe button, give the show a rating, and write a quick review if you did appreciate the show. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One, as in I won free pizza and not just one pizza. These two words seem to be difficult for an Austrian to differentiate. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark. <laughs>